Welcome to Be On Purpose with Anita and Gail. We strive to create a positive and rejuvenating space for you to learn, share and grow. Our conversations are about the things that make life sweet, sometimes challenging and always interesting. We hope to make you smile, give you pause for thought, broaden your experience, but most importantly, empower you to live your life on purpose. Hello and welcome to another episode of our Sister Circle season. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back. So today we have some wonderful guests joining us for our conversation on breastfeeding. And we're going to be talking about the highs and lows and everything in between when it comes to this week's miraculous thing that women's bodies can do, breastfeeding. So, as is my way, as you know, on Beyond Purpose, I'd like to welcome us all. Hello, Gail. Hi there. Hi, Anita. Hello, listeners. Very great to hear you all. Well, to hear you, Anita, and to talk to you all, our lovely listeners. And we also have Michelle today. Hi, everybody. My name is Michelle, and I'm looking forward to sharing my story. Fabulous. Thank you for joining us today, Michelle. And we also have Elaine. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you all. And you're going to hear more from our wonderful guests a little bit later on. They've got some great things to share. But we're going to start off with my sciencey research that I do love to share. So, what is breastfeeding? Um, now, as a woman who has breastfed, I have to say I was very intrigued in my uh, research this week to find out some of the things that I didn't even know uh, my body was doing when I was breastfeeding. So as, as it says on the tin, very, very simply, breastfeeding is when you feed a baby breast milk, usually straight from your breast, also known as nursing. Some of you may be familiar with that term. And making the decision to breastfeed is a really personal matter. And it's, it's also one that's likely to draw a lot of opinions from friends and family. Um, and people have some very diverse views on to breastfeed or not breastfeed. Uh, and we'll, we'll get a little bit into some of those views today. Now, whilst pregnant, so before you actually have the baby, you have a process of what's called your milk coming in. And that generally is the time when mum will start to notice her breasts are getting increasingly full um, and that's when the milk production really begins to kick into full gear and that usually is about two or three days before the baby's born but as many as 25% of moms can take much longer um, for that milk to come in and it can sometimes be days after the baby's born before their milk does actually come in. Now the milk that comes in initially is colostrum, that's the first milk that comes through and that's an amazing little miraculous thing um, which helps the baby to, uh, to start to, to suckle. Um, and the science, this, this bit, this was the bit that I found really fascinating. So when your baby, so when you actually, you've had your baby, um, you put the baby to the breast, when it starts to suckle, this is how the milk is actually made. So it sends a message to your brain and your brain then signals the hormones. There's two hormones, prolactin and oxytocin that are released in your body. And the prolactin, um, causes the nutrients, proteins, and the sugars from your blood supply to turn into breast milk. And oxytocin causes the cells around your alveoli, and that's the, the area around your nipple, to contract and eject the milk down your milk ducts. And so that, that feeling that you get of letdown when the milk is coming through is, is the oxytocin doing its thing. Now, the other great thing that oxytocin does while you're breastfeeding is help you to bond with your baby. It's, it's that stress, stress hormone that we've talked about before, and it eases those feelings of anxiety that you might feel and makes you feel relaxed and really supports that bonding with baby. Now, the, one of the things I found really amazing was um, when moms have babies prematurely, that preemie obviously has a different, a different need. So your body knows it's amazingly knowing that your baby needs more of the proteins and fats and that's what your, your milk then changes when you have a premature baby um, to provide what's needed for the minerals and bones and growth, brain growth um, that's needed for a baby that's born a little bit prematurely. So there, there's a reason why breast milk is called liquid gold. It's, it's a truly amazing, amazing thing and it's something that um, 
most women want to do for their children. Um, uh, talk about colostrum, that's that your first milk, and that has also some really special proteins in it that coat your baby's intestinal tract when you first start feeding them, and that helps them to make sure that there are no harmful bacterias, uh, that they're protected from those, and it also actually helps, it has a, a laxative effect, just to oh. my eye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so that helps to clear the baby's intestines and which actually decreases the risk of them getting jaundice. So, I mean, just amazing stuff, Gail, don't you think? Pushes just... it, pushes it through, pushes it through. I just want to point out at this point that if you have bananas, it doesn't make banana-flavoured milkshake, which is what I thought for a very long time. And if you had strawberry, <laughs> you have strawberry. I thought that for a long time. Well, anyway, you say I, that, you say I, that. I but in my, in my fun facts, which you are preempting, Tell me. There, oh, is, there, there is, uh, you can actually change the flavour of your milk. No. Yeah, yeah, and even the colour. Even the no. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. well, today could be a learning one for me. Learning day for you. <laughs> so, breast milk is an amazing thing. The milk, it's the breastfeeding is also really, really beneficial to mom. So, we, we've talked a little bit about how it's really great for baby. Um, but actually, breastfeeding reduces mom's risk of ovarian and breast cancer, heart disease, and osteoporosis. So, the ultra amazing thing that I found out about that was breastfeeding a baby girl actually reduces her lifetime risk of breast cancer by 25%. Wow. So the cool. amazingness does not cease. Um, the final amazing thing I'm going to tell you is that it also helps moms to heal faster during that postpartum time. So as they're breastfeeding, um, just the contractions of your uterus are um, also stimulated and that helps mom to return back to her pre-pregnancy size faster and overall lowering the blood loss that she might experience during that postpartum time. So there's a lot of re clearly there's really going on. great benefits. Absolutely. There's a lot going on with this milk. Amazing. But I would like to hear from our first guest, Elaine, who manages a phenomenal service supporting women breastfeeding. Just for you to tell us a little bit more about um, service, what you do, and how you support women there to do this amazing thing called breastfeeding. Elaine. Thank you, Anita. So just to tell you a little bit about me and how I ended up doing this job, I, um, I qualified as a midwife in 2005 and worked on the wards for a few years. And for a while, I was doing the antenatal classes for parents-to-be. Um, which included um, feeding your baby. And it was suggested to me that I attended a meeting where I came into contact with um, the then infant feeding coordinator. And that's how I got involved in the team I work within, within the NHS. And so that was about 13 years ago. And what we were doing and what we continue to do is to support families to carry on breastfeeding to, to establish breastfeeding and carry on for as, as long as they want to really. Um, so we've built that service up within the NHS um, for Solely Hall um, over the years. And we provide uh, breastfeeding cafes where parents can get together and um, seek professional help um, from the team and also support from each other because what we know is that by talking to other parents who are going through similar things or have been going through similar things that they can support each other really and that's you know where they get a lot of their their support from um, we support them over the phone we support them antenatally and postnatally so antenatally we can kind of talk to them generally about feeding anything they want to know and it kind of prepares them um, for what, what what's coming really um, we do home visits where we can obviously over the last year things have changed a little bit with with covid but we're doing a lot more virtual now so we can do virtual one-to-ones and groups um, we loan out breast pumps. So we've got some hospital grade double breast pumps and we've got 19 of them that, that we loan out for about a month, which can help some mums um, get going with, with establishing uh, breastfeeding. And we also provide peer support training. Um, so peer supporters are mums who um, have breastfed 
and they do some training with us and then they come and support other mums within the breastfeeding cafes um we've got so different social medias as well we've got a facebook group closed facebook group for solely whole but we've also got a facebook page so quite often uh, parents are asking questions within that that the other parents will answer so we started off i started that group like 12 years ago and had to monitor it quite closely and answer all the questions but now all the parents kind of support each other um so we kind of just oversee it really um, and during the last few years, I've qualified as a lactation consultant and a tongue-tie practitioner. So I think kind of learning, I mean, you've just given some amazing um, information, Anita, which is great. So well done on your homework. I do like to be a researcher, Leigh. She will research a thing. She will research Sound like I'm knowledgeable on the, on the matter. <laughs> Very good. And um, so... I've been amazed at how much I learn every day and have done mm. for the last 13 years. There's always something new um, that I don't know about. And, you know, I've taken on extra qualifications as a lactation consultant to learn more things. And, and you know, we learn so much from the parents that we support. Um, you know, quite often I'm, I'm asking parents to get back in touch and let me know how it goes, because that's that's how we how we're learning all the time. And there's a team of six of us. So there's myself and my colleague, who is also a lactation consultant, midwife and tongue-tie practitioner. And then we've got four paid peer supporters, as well as some volunteers that, that provide this support for Solely Whole. And we're very lucky in Solely Whole to have that, that service. Um, and we're commissioned by the council to provide that because it's very patchy around the country. We often hear of areas that, that aren't so lucky and either have no support or um, you know very little support. So I'm I'm very aware that that we're lucky lucky to have to have that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's that's it in a nutshell. What the service provide? Yeah. So what would you say is one of the biggest um, benefits that you've seen over the years of delivering that um, that service to to moms in the area in Solihull? benefits to parents mm. yeah um i think it's just knowing that there's somebody there that that can help them i think we the, the service is um accredited as as unicef baby friendly so that tells parents that we practice to a certain standard it's the best standard so they they can be reassured that we provide evidence-based up-to-date information and i think quite often what we'll hear from parents is that they get different information from different people, different health uh -huh. professionals, from different family members, different friends, everybody, when you have a baby, everybody- Everyone's got advice to give. Has an opinion <laughs> and advice about how to raise your, your baby and how to feed it. Um, and it can be very difficult to kind of filter out what, what to do for the best. Um, at a time when a lot of people are feeling quite vulnerable especially when it's your first baby you've never done it before and you know you you want to do your best and I think knowing that um you know and everybody's talking from their own experiences and their own knowledge and think think I mean quite often it's coming from a, a place of you know goodwill they, goodwill. they're wanting to help mm. wanting to support but it's hard to pick out what, what's the best thing to do really. So parents can be reassured that because we are, I mean, our service has been accredited as baby friendly gold now, which is, you, you can't get any higher than that. And we've spent the last 13 years, it's taken, you know, that long to, to, uh -huh. to get to each stage and to train staff. So part of what I do as well, which I missed out earlier is that I train the health visitors to um, in feeding so it kind of spreads out that way as well. It's not just us. Quite busy, aren't you, Elaine? So yeah, the idea is that, that parents should be reassured that we're all saying the same thing and they're not just getting different bits of advice and don't know what to listen to, really. So I would say that's the, the biggest benefit, that they're getting the right advice and the right information. Um, yeah, okay, and I know that 
having worked with you in that geographical area, one of the reasons why that service um, or the service in which the, the infant feeding service sat within a healthy lifestyle um, service was because of health inequalities in that area specifically. And so I know that there are a number of reasons why breastfeeding can help to reduce some of those health inequalities, just because it's obviously supporting the baby to be as healthy as it can be. There's obviously mm. cost implications or mm. by breastfeeding, you, you don't have the cost of, uh, you know, formula and things like that. So where there are low income families, it can certainly be a really good alternative. But in your experience working specifically in that area, I, I wonder if there's any cultural barriers that you've identified um, in working with families from an area where there are two very different socioeconomic um, parts of the city. So you, you've got the North and the South, which, which have mm -hmm. very, very different um, outcomes around their health. Um, the, the fact that the area where, where this service was set up was in the most deprived area because of you know, the, the, the deprivation that was there and the, the health inequalities that were noted. Um, it was just interesting to, to know whether or not there was anything that you noted that perhaps stops people from even thinking about breastfeeding or, or taking that route, that journey. I, th I think, like you say, it's kind of the culture that you grow up in. So what, what we kind of know is that how we intend to feed our babies is something that we think about probably in, in childhood as we're growing up, child, it, we're not consciously thinking that, but it's about what we see, um, the role models that we have, um, and what's, you know, what's going on around us, what the people around us are saying, how they feed their babies. Um, so it's kind of, it, it's, that's the kind of challenge. Um, and also, it's how, who, who people listen to. So, you know, their friends and their families, um, that's where they get their information from. And quite Facebook. often, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Facebook. Facebook. and it, it's kind of their peers um, and what's going to fit in with their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, so when you breastfeed a baby, um, it's obviously very different to bottle feeding. And sometimes people aren't prepared for what that's going to look like. And so it can be a bit of a shock because it's, you know, breastfed babies feed more frequently than bottle fed babies it's just you that's breastfeeding that baby um and i think if you're not prepared for any of that then then it can be a shock and um it might not fit in with with how you think it should you know how you think your life you should be living your life so it's it's and also sometimes there's a mistrust of health professionals and so people are more likely to get their, in certain areas, more likely to get their information from their friends and families and not particularly want to go to places or seek help from um, health professionals maybe. They're quite happy with, with where they get their information from. So the thing, I think you might agree that the, the challenges in, in, certainly in the area we were in was, was that how to get information over, um, you know, the best way to do that uh because it yes it differs in the north and the south and it's um it's about us as health professionals thinking about how we can do that mm. um, in the best possible way really i know one of the favorite my one of my favorite things that you guys used to do was the baby boxes the uh <laughs> we used to give out the baby boxes with uh a bunch of free stuff inside so i thought that was really fun free thing. stuff free stuff you say <laughs> tell them all. For, for baby scale Okay. All right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought that was a really cute thing. But you, you mentioned UNICEF and the fact that the service is um, is baby baby friendly uh, accredited. Gold. Gold standard. <laughs> gold yes, standard. Not, not gold standard. Gold standard. Um, and interestingly, when I was looking at um, UK breastfeeding stats, and UNICEF uh, UK provided some very interesting ones um around how well the fact that the uk has some of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world so eight out of ten women stop breastfeeding before they want to mm -hmm. um what was also interesting to me was the last survey that they did um for infant feeding was 2010 and i know there's there's a great deal of uh, impetus to do another one because 
we're a little behind with that. So I would hope that maybe some of these stats have, have moved on, but the key findings from that survey, um, although 81% of women initiate breastfeeding, only 24% are still exclusively breastfeeding at six weeks. That drops down to 17% at three months drops down again to 12% at four, and by six months, there's only 1% of women that are still breastfeeding exclusively. Um, mm. And that six month mark is what's recommended by the World Health um, Organization as, as optimal really, as, as a minimum standard for breastfeeding babies. So in the UK, we've got, we've got some work to do, it sounds mm -hmm. like, and, and I think you, you alluded mm -hmm. to some of the disadvantage, I suppose, that may be barriers for people breastfeeding. and. Things like the fact that yeah, newborns do eat more frequently. So, you know, you may feel like you're just a cow, basically, just feeding constantly. Some of the other things. Not um, a cow, me, not a cow. A cow. Really? Well, <laughs> you know, that, maybe, maybe. A mental nobody image. Else, but, uh... Nobody else can feed the baby but you. So, True, you know, yeah. unless, you know, we talked about pumping a little bit, but, you know, that is, that's all on you. Um, there's something about, you know the soreness that you feel you get sore cracked nipples and i'll talk to you a little bit more about some of those things like mastitis and block ducts and how you've you know how you work around those things you can't really measure how much your baby's eating when you're breastfeeding you don't know whether that you know they're getting enough it, it doesn't feel comfortable especially with during those first few days and weeks when you've got the engorgement and your breasts feel like they're rocks it's, it's not a great feeling <laughs> Um, you're painting so, a very sleek picture, Anita. Yeah. Well, well I'm just the leaking. You know, like that? The breast, the breast milk leaking at inappropriate times. There's the whole thing about people not really wanting you to breastfeed in public, and there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could deter, I suppose, somebody from wanting to mm. go down that road. So, um, thinking about those those sorts of um, reasons why I suppose somebody might not want to I think it's a really good time to bring in our other guests yeah for sure as you were talking actually Nick, I was thinking about the stigma around um breastfeeding I think is reducing that. I don't know if you find the same ladies um in terms of there's there's much more like there's breastfeeding cafes there's signs outside of certain shops and things saying we're breastfeeding friendly etc and it is reducing but there was a time and particularly <laughs> but and I think there was the whole um double standards of, of people saying it's so, you know for, for men you're quite happy to see half half dressed ladies but the minute a woman takes out her breast to feed her child it's like oh that's so disgusting it's so vile and it's the it's the double standards that I think um, people are now kind of waking up to and it's it's interesting that we've had that shift um, of, of breastfeeding being much more accepted um, but yeah as you say there are some disadvantages to it and and I I'm very honored that I get to speak to my very special friend Michelle <laughs> who has kindly, <laughs> kindly um, agreed to, to share her story with us, Michelle. So I'll just ask you to just introduce yourself. Tell us about your, your two amazing boys and anything <laughs> else you'd like to share about you, who are now not boys, actually. <laughs> They're grown men, but Michelle, over to you, my darling, if you want to introduce yourself. Thank you so much. Um, obviously, my name's Michelle. It's an honour and a privilege to be here to share my story with you. Um, thank you, Gail, and thank you, Anita, for the introduction and the information, and thank you, Elaine, absolutely brilliant. Um, it did bring a tear to my eyes, actually, when I heard you, because I thought, oh, I really needed this. Wow. I really needed that when I, did I had think, my first. Yeah. <laughs> when I had my first. But anyway, um, I'll just introduce my sort of life. So obviously, um, I am 43. 53 years old. <gasps> wow. years old and I have a wonderful husband that um, I met when I was 16 and he was 17 um, we were together seven years before we got married and then we got married and then we had we waited quite a bit to have children um, and then we were blessed with two wonderful boys yes they come with um their issues as well but you know <laughs> don't we all shall don't we yeah. all <laughs> so but I won't be without them um I'm a work I've always been a working mom and I've always worked for the county council within child protection safeguarding um so yeah that's sort of my role really so yeah so like every mom you're so excited when you 
you decide to start a family, you read all the books, you take all the medication, the folic acid, and make sure you're taking your vitamins, you're eating healthy. I think for me, the most important thing was I really wanted to breastfeed my, my boys. It was on the top of my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was the breastfeed my boys, or because obviously I didn't know at the time if it was boys. And... Um, never to give them a dummy mm. it was the main things and I think the other thing I had was I always said I'd have a nursery where the boys would go in from when I brought them to hospital out mm-hmm. of hospital and even when I was um, feeding I would mm-hmm. do it in the nursery so they were never really in our room as such so mm-hmm. with that everybody has their own I suppose agenda Mm -hmm. I was so excited I looked into breastfeeding I really really wanted to do it I suppose at the time when I had um um, the boys because Joshua is 24 now no Jacob is 20 (laughs) Jacob is 21 he'll be (gasps) shortly so um there was things about breastfeeding but probably not as much Mm-hmm. I did my research. Um, I had a fantastic pregnancy. I loved being pregnant uh, on both times. Loved being pregnant. So when I went into labour, I was in labour for two days, oh. um, and I couldn't wait to start um, breastfeeding. But nobody told me how how hard it was, mm-hmm. and. Um, I just thought I'd have this baby, it would latch on, and off we go. I'd be mm-hmm. like milking cow with my little bell. You wanted to be the milking cow. <laughs> on tap. On tap. Oh, you bless see, you. there is a cow. There's a, there's there's, a cow theme. There's a cow theme. All right, all right. Okay, I'll take it from you guys then. <laughs> but it didn't happen like that at all. Um, with Joshua, it didn't happen at all. Um, we tried to latch him on. Um, he would he, he would latch on and then just let go, he wouldn't bother. He was a lazy baby <laughs> boy, lazy boy. He wouldn't, um, it was it was really, and obviously all your emotions are kicking in by then. Right. Well. And yeah. I just thought, oh my goodness, I have failed my son mm. because I just couldn't, I tried to latch him on, but the, the nurses used to come in, we used to strip him. I used to like have to tickle his feet. I used to have to prompt him. Um, it just wouldn't do it. Um, I would express my milk and then I'd put it in a little beaker, you know, like those little medicine beakers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd have to express it and then put it into one of those beakers um, and give it, give him milk out of that. I was in hospital for seven days mm-hmm. trying. I had I had support. I can't say I didn't have support. Right. I think I was probably ignorant in the sense that I just thought it was naturally would happen naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so did Josh take the milk out of the cup then, Michelle? Yeah, I used to have to give it him out of a little cup. Mm. So he would take it from the cup, but he just wouldn't it latch. Would, no, wouldn't latch on at all. And then, um, so we used to have to strip him to because uh, he could what just go. The strip- to, what was the stripping? Keep him, him alert, to keep him awake. Oh, right, I right. put him under my arm. If you get me that sound, so you, like when you put your baby on your nipple at the front. Yes. I probably used to put him at the side because they used yes. to say try different angles. Right. Which I did. Um, and then he, he lost quite a lot of weight. Mm. And then I was told that if I didn't give him the bottle or something from the bottle, he'd have to go into the special baby unit. Oh, because no. he so it was a horrible time because phew, I, I never thought um, it, it would be like that at all. Mm. Um, I felt can, that. I, can I ask you, Michelle? Sorry to interrupt, but can I no, ask no. you? You said you had some support, and in terms of this, I mean, I know we obviously your family and things were support what other kind of support did you have during that time that you remember so um so the the hospital staff the nursing staff were really good um my health visitor was really good had a lot of friends um black caribbean ladies that had breastfed and who would come and help Mm-hmm. Um, and we had one of the midwives who was a really close friend who would come in and ha- and try and help. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I contacted the, there was, they were called breast counselors then. Mm. So I'd contact them and uh, when I got home, um, so, so I carried on trying, I ex- carried on expressing, but I was exhausted. Of course, was of course. expressing and then um, what I found was, because I was mixed feeding mm-hmm. um, and that made Joshua quite sick. So then I felt guilty because I was like expressing, giving him, I think sometimes it wasn't enough as well. So then they were saying, top it up. So I would do formula milk, Mm -hmm. but then I had to do investigations in all the different formula milks. I wasn't happy with what I read. Um, So yeah, it was a hard time, a very hard time. And I think I tried for three months. I couldn't do it any longer. Mm. I had to put him on the bottle fully then. But then I I think because I beat myself up so much, I, then, I, yeah. I, um, then I had a bit of postnatal depression with it. Mm-hmm. I used to hide. I don't know if you can remember, Gail. Mm. I used to hide in the corner when I fed Joshua. I remember but you I, I remember we had we had a couple of discussions about about how you what you were feeling, but of course you can't always say everything that you're feeling at the time because you're going through mm-hmm. it, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I do remember. I do remember, Shell. Yeah, so I used to hide in the corner and feed Joshua because I felt so embarrassed that I couldn't um, breastfeed him. Mm. I remember, I remember. But three months though, Michelle, is a long is a long time to be trying and to be so uncomfortable. Is is this something that you, you've heard of before, Elaine? Is this, is this a familiar kind of story that you may have come across before? Uh, yes, this is this is what we hear every day, um, or most days. Um, we, we've got a service in Solihull because of the kinds of things that Michelle has just described. So mm. we wouldn't be needed if everybody just went exactly. off and just fed perfectly. Um, so yeah, this is this is kind of you know the kind of conversations that we have all the time. Mm. Um, and everybody's got their own their own story of, of right. what's happening. So um, there are lots of different variations of what's happening mm. um, for for families. So it's kind of just um, supporting families with whatever is happening through that process Um, yeah and and like Michelle's just said when there's lots of things going on like trying to breastfeed express um sterilize bottles give Mm. bottles um you're tired um all of that is taking lots of time and and feeding is constant yeah um you know night and day and if you're lucky you might have some immediate support around you you might have a partner who usually has to go back to work at some point quite soon and so it you know and and plus then you know families have often got other members of family of their family as as we've said before who are giving their own ideas of what what you should do they can see that you're getting tired um and struggling with it all but quite often for these mums it's it's not about wanting to stop um it's mm-hmm. about wanting to wanting the support to to put it right and to they want right. to carry on mm-hmm. um and they don't want to stop so quite often people will be kind of advised you know just give just give some formula it you know just just feed formula now and it'll all be fixed and that's not uh, what... and um, they yeah. don't want to hear that yeah. yeah like now said she's tried everything she possibly could for three months mm-hmm. And at some point, and it varies when that's going to be for different parents, it's like, actually, that's it now. We've done mm. what we can and we can't do any more. Mm. You know. It... Yeah, I, did, I didn't mean to in, interrupt you there, Michelle, but I just thought it was it was important to bring Elaine in because I, think mm. I remember, I do remember really clearly because, um, you know, we were very close and you saying it yeah. was, and I knew it was so important for you. I knew that um, and and you know as as your friend I couldn't I couldn't do anything to help and I just think it was important to point out there that you you know even though you feel you're alone and you feel like I should Mm. I should I should actually your story is something that other people can relate to and and so you it doesn't matter what anybody says if you're beating yourself up about something because you wanted it something to be a certain way you know so I just thought sorry to interrupt you my sweet you were telling your story (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, that's fine. So, so my advice, my advice um, is, you know, be, just be very open-minded when, when your little bundle of joy arrives and just take every day as it comes and don't beat yourself up like I did. If, mm. if it doesn't work, you know what I mean? Yes, it's natural. It's the best thing. We know that. 100 mm -hmm. but don't beat yourself up it's not worth it because you need to enjoy your bundle of joy oh <laughs> and, that's what that's a lovely way to think about it as well because yeah, you, you, you not, can get stuck can't you yeah you can get stuck and you know persevere as much as you can you know as a mum you know what I mean um how long you can do it for but just don't it's not worth it it's not worth getting bogged down you've got such a wonderful baby that you can give so much joys and I you know skin to skin I would strip Josh off I would put him on me you know I would hold him I'd nurse him I'd still you know what I mean I'd still do those things mm -hmm. um I just didn't you know experience it and like you know bo bottle feeding yes we know about the formula milk but you know my husband was able, Devon was a bit, was able to feed. Um, we took it in turns, mm -hmm. got in a good, you know, they, they were in a good routine. They used to go down. I used to feed them in their room. So, you know, it, it, it does work. It did, it did work out. Um, mm -hmm. But I think listening to what Elaine said, if I had that, I'd be on their doorstep. <laughs> She's brilliant, Elaine. She's brilliant. That is absolutely fantastic. And today we're in the Lake Districts at the moment. We went to the shops this afternoon. And this and I just smiled because this lady had this newborn baby and she just pulled up her top, took out her boob <laughs> in the baby's mouth. And I just smiled at her and I just gave her a thumbs up and said, yes, it's fine. And like, it is so easy now. Those times you had to cover up and things like that. It's not so much now you can go to libraries, there's areas where you can feed your baby. Mm -hmm. It's so easy now. It's so mm -hmm. easy. Um, so yeah. So with no go on. Sorry, sorry, I was just gonna say, and then because I was gonna ask if there was a difference in terms of, time, of course, Josh and Jake are two different children, but I mean, did you notice that there was a shift going towards making it more open for you to be able to talk about breastfeeding when you had your second or do you think it was about the same yeah. no I think um I, I think because I had postnatal depression and I do put it down to because I felt I'd let my son down right couldn't breastfeed so so don't do that it's, you, you know see i know it's i did it um and it's really hard easier said um, than done though isn't it Cheryl? easier said than done and then obviously we decided to try again for another child and we were blessed with um jacob um and praise god he latched on straight away um, I spoke to my midwife um, and said that I couldn't go through what I went through again. again. Right, right. Um, and she goes, don't worry, Michelle, we will support you. I had lots of support. I did the first time, but I think with being a mum as well, second time, you yes. learn. You've learned in some respect. So um, he latched on straight away. He was fine. He were, I had no problems. Um, could, could it be because Jake is more craven? Could it be because well, he's... Well, he <laughs> never changed. <laughs> it's still the same. He's always, always at the... Is he? Mentioned. We got the queue first. <laughs> yes. He must have come out of my tummy, latched on and just say, there it is. <laughs> 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 They're um, wonderful boys. I'm only, I am, you know, I'm only teasing. They're wonderful, wonderful no, boys, no. wonderful boys. But then you see, even though I was blessed to be able to breastfeed Jacob, it comes with ups and downs. Of course. And my bust, oh my goodness, my nipples. I can remember him latching on, I'd cringe and Devon would be rubbing my feet. I'd be saying, give me a grape. Just do. <laughs> And then when they stop, because they're fine, once they're on and they're sucking, you think, fantastic. And then when you saw them stop, because they stopped, it's hard work for a baby mm -hmm. to suckle. Oh, my goodness. And then, oh, if you have to get your sort of your fingertips, oh, it was so painful. So I had the mastitis, I had infection in my nipples and the engorgement and 
going out, looking, thinking you look really good and you look down and there you are. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, but you know what? Because I could do it this time, I wasn't bothered. I couldn't care what anybody thought. Good. And good. Um, it was a blessing to do. I could feel when he was breastfeeding, I could feel my... You could feel like your stomach and your uterus. You can feel when they're they're mm-hmm. sucking. It was just a wonderful um, experience. It was hard. It was tiring. Even though he 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 was in his own nursery, I would never feed him in bed with me. I would always go into the room and feed him in his room and put him down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to be careful. I can remember the midwife saying to me, "Oh, you can feed him if you're tired. Go on your side." and you can latch him on and I you can't do that now that because you could just roll over your baby and there's a lot on sleeping mm-hmm. breastfeeding so you know what I mean I, I think you know it, it's it's still not easy but it's a wonderful experience and it is hard still it mm-hmm. is hard it's not like sterilizing your bottles <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is still a wonderful experience so just keep persevering these things that you can get natural things that you can rubber and you can keep trying and I can remember going in a cold shower and letting it beat on my breasts and things mm. like that so there's lots of things out there natural things that can help you know so yeah yeah so Michelle a quick question from me yeah having that different experience the second time around, and I know you explained all those feelings. You had a feeling like you'd let you, you'd let um, your son down and drop because you couldn't feed Josh, and how that affected you emotionally. Did any of did any of that kind of get offset by knowing the second time? It's, so it's not you. It's not a failing on your part. You were able to 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 feed Jake. You you got to experience all the highs and lows of, of yeah. all that is so you knew that it was something that it was possible for you to do did that help you in any way to resolve the feelings that you had previously about feeling like you you couldn't do something that you wanted to do yes yeah I still now I it still hurts that I didn't breastfeed him Mm. um so yeah I can say it still hurts um and I think Josh was he was very clingy to me and I always think that's because I was so insecure at that time and quite down myself with it and beating myself up that I think it sort of like generated to him in a way. I think the babies know, don't they, when yeah. they're mums a bit. So, um, yeah, but I think I went open minded and Devon my husband was really good and he says Michelle you know you don't beat yourself up like you did before and it was a completely different experience Mm -hmm. um and I learned from I suppose I did learn from it with um Josh more so not to you know it wasn't a failing on me or a failing Mm -hmm. on Josh either yeah Yeah. you know what I mean for both it it just wasn't meant to be and I you know I, I don't know um but yeah, it was a bit of a learning curve, but he, he just latched on. I, I've never prayed so hard in my life. And Aww. they just, when he was, I had to have a, a cesarean with Jacob. Um, mm-hmm. And they just, uh, well, Jay, cause I was a cesarean, he was a cesarean. Devon had him for the first 45 minutes. And that was devastating for me because I wanted skin to skin contact. Straight away, yeah. Straight away, um, but once they like stitched me up and he was on he just made his way there he must have sniffed it he made his way there and just latched on it and that was it <laughs> well I tell you what Michelle you are in many ways my superhero in many many ways and I just just hearing you talk today and hearing you share your story of, of your um, two experiences I, I just want to thank you for for that and just reiterate again you and all the other mums out there are my absolute superheroes so oh. um, so thank you thank you thank you for sharing I know I need to yeah. stop some some facts and things and and thank you thank you thank you again thank yes you. thank you so much Michelle for sharing before I go into my uh fun facts and things uh, I just wanted to just come back to Elaine really briefly because I think it's really important hearing Michelle's story to just think about uh, just get your I guess your perspective on some of those reasons why mom's experiences aren't that perfect picture perfect idea that they've got in the head of how well 
Fortunately, for the second time, Michelle did get the whole baby came out, wriggled straight to the breast, <laughs> latched on, and there we go. And it was all fine. But there are there are some reasons, you know, legitimate reasons why it that is not the case. And those that's how you are able to support women through that. And I particularly want to um, talk about things like um, tongue tie, and if there are any other sorts of um, specific issues that you have experience with, which make make breastfeeding challenging for moms. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you to Michelle for, for sharing mm. your story. I think you can hear in your voice how important it was for you to be able to, to breastfeed. And we do know that women who um, want to breastfeed and then can't for whatever reason are more likely to develop postnatal depression. And more and more now we're recognising um grief and trauma that's associated with breastfeeding and kind of how important it is to to acknowledge how important it is to to those those mums and you know you saying that you still feel all these years later that you wished you could have breastfed longer the first time around um and as Gower said you know you, you did it for three months you and you've done an amazing job um so so well done to you, but, but just to say that grief and trauma around breastfeeding is something mm. that is recognised. Mm. Um, so, so yes, yeah, some of the things that we come across, you mentioned tongue tie, Anita, um, that's kind of um, been recognised more and more over the years. And that's quite a hot topic for us at the moment. As I said, I've qualified as a tongue tie practitioner. Um, and tell our listeners a little bit about what tongue tie is. I'm, I'm saying it like well, as if I know, but just if, explaining if, um, what that is. Well, if any of us lift our tongues up in the mirror, we can see <laughs> right up, we can see perhaps a vertical bit of skin underneath the tongue. And that's a normal part of our anatomy. It's there to guide um, the oral cavity when we're babies um, yet to be born. Um, and the idea is that it just kind of recedes backwards and doesn't cause any problems. But if it doesn't do that so well, once the baby is born and it's too short and tight, it can affect how the tongue moves and babies need to move their tongues to be able to feed and particularly breastfeed can affect bottle feeding as well. But um, if they can't move the tongues properly, they can't attach to the breast well um, and they can't transfer the milk. So it can cause all sorts of problems like sore nipples because it affects how the nipple and the breast sit in the mouth um so sore nipples it because it can affect the weight uh, the transfer of milk it can affect baby's weight and all that kind of why are you smiling Anita <laughs> <laughs> carry on carry on so so yeah it can cause lots of lots of issues and can mean that um that babies do stop breastfeeding and all moms feel that they have to stop breastfeeding because they're, they're too sore. Um, so, I mean, there are other reasons why people stop, stop breastfeeding, like, like feed, I know we've talked about, you know, it is more acceptable to feed in public, but there are still people who don't want to do that or feel they can't or are actually challenged for, for, for doing that in public and, and that can affect how they feel. Um, and also it's about expectations. They feel that, and I, I said earlier about babies feeding more frequently um, than a bottle fed baby. They just expect different, different things and they think it's wrong. They, they right. don't know why a baby's behave because babies do things like cluster feed um, over a few hours. So if parents sat there constantly feeding, they think they haven't got enough milk. And right. that's, that's a real common thing for people to feel that that they can't produce enough produce milk enough. their baby but that is a thing though isn't it low milk supply is is a thing i mean i with my second um i just wasn't physically producing again a greedy child um but <laughs> I, I you know i was i was feeding her as often as she required feeding i was also pumping when i'm back to work i was pumping but she just was not satisfied with the amount of milk that i was producing and i physically had nothing else to give so, you know, that was the reason I had to then move on to formula because I just, I didn't have enough milk for, for what she yeah. needed. Sometimes it can be that, that somebody hasn't got enough milk. It's, it's not very common. So sometimes it can be about how the baby's attached to the breast. If they're not attached very well, 
they're not going to transfer the milk very well and you're not going to produce enough milk because it it's a supply and demand thing it starts to slow uh -huh. down so sometimes there's a reason why you might feel there's not enough milk um which we can we can fit we can't fix everything but you know sometimes there's there's things like looking at the positioning of the attachment um to see if 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 that that can be improved a little bit and and therefore increase the milk supply are there foods that you can eat that kind of encourage lactation and production of milk um there's kind of anecdotal um ideas of of different things like fenugreek but they're not evidence-based um the idea it's more about um feeding or expressing more it's stimulating the breast because your right. body will pick up on the fact that it needs to produce more milk and and so it's it's doing more of it that and that makes sense actually because when i started making less it was when i went back to work so mm. although i was pumping at work i probably wasn't pumping as frequently as i would have been feeding Yes. So I'd come home with bottles, yes, but it might not have been the same amount as I would have produced had I been at home feeding it the whole time. Yeah. So you, you're absolutely right yeah. about the supply and demand. And, and actually, your body's designed to let milk down to a baby, not a pump. And there is some, mm -hmm. and it's all to do with what's going on in your head and the release of hormones. And, you know, some mums will look at a pump and like you're saying, you, you're expressing at work. It's what's going on around you. You know, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And you talked about like, if your cortisol's raised a bit, your oxytocin is gonna drop a bit and you're not going to let the melt down as much. And there are some mums who breastfeed exclusively, absolutely fine, but, but can't express a drop because they look at their pump, their body is not gonna let the melt down to that pump because it's not a baby. Yeah. Um, and other mums can do it fine, but there's no rhyme or reason to it really. It's just, but a lot depends on what's going on in your head and how your body responds to a pump rather than a baby our bodies are amazing just i mean i know we they're incredible we talked about we talked about in this this particular season we've been talking about women's bodies and the different things that we do but just we we i don't think we really understand and and i think we probably underestimate how incredible our bodies are designed they're designed to to do what they're supposed to do and yeah everybody's doing it's, it's amazing it's amazing each each time we do one of these episodes yeah. i'm like this is amazing it's amazing we are super women <laughs> just that's just wonder woman all of us should have, walk around with capes constantly always that's always what should be. and before i let you go elaine you have mentioned the trauma around uh, you know the acknowledgement of trauma uh, around breastfeeding or the inability to do so and and i know that you in amongst the numerous of things that you do, you have um, done some work around um, program called, is it three, three Step Rewind? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, tra I trained as a three step rewind practitioner. It's, it's okay. to do with birth trauma, but it can be applied to other, other things. So one of them is breastfeeding mm -hmm. um, and it's just a way of trying to let go um, of those feelings, those negative feelings that affect you and stop you kind of moving forward. So it kind of doesn't erase your memory. It kind of, you remember the event, but it doesn't provoke that emotional reaction in mm. you. And it's about deep relaxation and, you know, remembering that event, but kind of reframing it really. Um, so it's something that can be applied to to breastfeeding as well as as any other kind of birth trauma or other traumas that that people feel um, they're living with that sounds like another amazing uh, string to your bow and of course we want to make sure that if any of our listeners would like to access any of the services that you've talked about today um, that we will get the information from you to, for them to be able to do that we'll certainly put that in the show notes but i think we'll we'll get you to provide us with those in a minute because I'm sure that much of what you've shared there'll be people out there that are resonating with and would and would like to be able to to access some of the support that you're offering so that's fantastic and I really appreciate your expertise that you brought to our conversation today Elaine mm -hmm. thank you so much um many of the fun facts that I had we've, we've actually talked through in our in our chat today oh, but I will, no. I, will, I will still give you a couple because I know that our listeners will be dying for my facts and things <laughs> Um, so I just wanted you to know the breastfeeding burns between 500 to 600 calories a day. So put that on your workout list of things to do. If you're breastfeeding, it's actually burning calories. It's burning calories. 
Um, also, um, producing breast milk consumes 25% of the body's energy. The brain only uses 20 by comparison. So we are burning, oh. we're burning calories, but we are also, it's a very energy, uh, high energy um, activity <laughs> that we're doing when we're breastfeeding, you know. <laughs> not just sitting um, there not just sitting not sitting we're not just sitting feeding we are 25 percent of our body's energy is going into producing that have you know um another interesting fun fact uh 75 of all mums produce more milk in their right breast whether they're right or left-handed just so you know right-breasted women that's um and the amount of breast milk that you're able to produce has nothing to do with your breast size so if you do have small breasts you can have just as much or more so for those people in the Itty Bitty Titty Committee, be uh, not dismayed yeah. <laughs> that you will not be able to feed your child. Uh, the milk making tissues that you have as a mom, regardless of whether they're large breasts or small breasts, they will still function in exactly the same way. Incredible. And you'll still be able to make as much milk as your baby needs. So be not dismayed. They also get significantly larger when the milk comes in anyway, but that's a whole nother. Another conversation, another conversation. Uh, and my last, no, the, I did say it was my last one, but this is my last fun fact. Um, Please tell me World, you're going to, oh, go on, go on. World Health Organization, fun fact this is, they report that the world average duration of breastfeeding is 4.2 years. <laughs> so, um, so there are people, I mean, I know, I know that there are those that go longer, um, but breastfeeding is not something that needs to stop in the month. You can carry on right, right up to right up to school if you like, right up to nursery if you would like to do so. Four point two years is the uh, average duration. Wow! Wow! I thought, I thought you were going to tell about the different flavors. I was waiting to hear the flavors. Well, it, it, it was just why. So you, you can your breast milk and color can change based on what you're what you're eating. Um, did, did you have different colored milk, Michelle? No, I didn't actually. But oh. I have heard this. <laughs> You've heard that one. <laughs> Looking the thing you, you've heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, I mean, your your milk production basically is always changing. So it's it's changing to meet the need mm -hmm. of the baby, and you know, obviously, what you eat as a mom, although your milk is not created from the contents of your stomach, obviously, what you eat mm -hmm. goes into your body um, and can affect the taste of the milk, and and obviously sometimes the color. But um, it's always changing from month to month throughout the week, day to day, even through a single feeding, your milk production changes wow. based on exactly what your baby, amazing, mm. miraculous machines going on you. As your baby grows and develops, as you say, it changes to meet the needs of that baby. And also if the baby's unwell, um, things like kissing your baby will pick up any bad bugs and it, your body will then produce in the next feed antibodies to, <sighs> Like oh, <laughs> wow kissing the power of a kiss listen ladies genuine genuine gasps genuine mm -hmm. miraculously made we are we're our, we're our own little our, our own little night nurses <laughs> <laughs> well i will make sure that all the information that we've provided in today's um episode is in our show notes where we've got that from so if you want to do your own research and elaine do you want to tell us tell our listeners where they can find you on your socials or wherever else you may yeah well um nhs wise we've got solihull infant feeding team is our facebook page or you can go to my website which is www.mamas.co.uk that's m-a-m-a-h-s Thank you very much. We'll put that in our show notes. And we just want to um, invite as well our listeners to join the conversation. I, I am very impressed, Anita, your facts and things. Elaine was nodding furiously to your facts and things. So you must have done a good job. Well done, That's in Anita. <laughs> I'm, I'm a researcher now, you know, officially. <laughs> you can pop that on your CV, love. Pop it on your CV. But it is, it's really good to, to kind of hear from you. We have got an email. If you want to drop us an email, we are beyondpurposethepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at b.on.purpose. We pop little things onto our, um, onto our Instagram feed there. Follow us, join us, share in the conversation. We love, love hearing from you. We have actually got a voicemail system. Is that right, Nate? Let me not we tell do, people. yes. No. Okay, very um, good. <laughs> we, you can leave us a voicemail message on Anchor, which is a platform that our podcast is created on. And that is also in the show notes. So you can just 
click onto that link and it will give you the functionality to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you if you want to share your stories, either around breastfeeding or any other topics that we've talked about in the Sister Circle season. Um, and if you, you never know, you might find yourself on a future episode. If we a future uh, guest. Future bring you on as a future guest, that would be wonderful. But we, as always, want you to join this conversation. We enjoy having the conversations with our guests. Mm-hmm. Gail and I will just chat it up uh, anyway. It's always <laughs> a fun time to have a, a sister chat. We're hoping to have our sisters join us again for another episode really soon. So you'll have the four of us back in, uh, in the sister circle. Um, but we really want to hear from you, our listeners as well. So let us know what resonates with you, um, where you can um, also share your stories that other people mm-hmm. can can relate to as well. That's a really important thing because this whole season of the Sister Circle has been about opening up the floor to conversations for women about women um, that often we just don't have. And we want to make sure that we continue to create that space for people to feel safe Mm-hmm. Um, to share and this has been another great conversation about great the miraculousness ladies. of women so I'd like to thank our special guests Michelle and Elaine for being with us today thank you thank you Gail thank you. as thank always <laughs> and I've been Anita and I've been Gail and we have both been on purpose thank you and speak to you on next purpose. time